I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to this, uh, this launch of New Poetry's 7. I think we've had three launches of New Poetry's in this wonderful bookshop, which is our favourite London bookshop for many reasons, not least because it stocks almost all of our books, which is not something you can say of all the bookshops in London. Uh, and also because the staff is so very kind and nice, and one of the members of staff is a Carcanet poet, so what more could we ask? I, he's supposed to be here, but he hasn't arrived yet. He may arrive late, in which case we should all stand and applaud. <laughs> um, tonight we're going to have readings by four poets from New Poetries, and of all the um, books that, we, that I edit, the New Poetries uh, books are my favorites, because they, in a sense, um, pave the way to the future Carcanet list. Most of the New Poetry's collections have um, included uh, writers who have gone on, like Sinead Morrissey, like Sophie Hanna, like Kai Miller, uh, like Vanny Capildeo, to, um, uh, who've gone on to um, star on our list and, uh, and be extremely important to me personally because of the gift of poetry that they give, but also the advice and the critical and uh, other perspectives that they they cast and, and they help me f me forward. And um, I think New Poetry 7 is as good as, if not better than almost all the New Poetries that have come before. The variety of r writers in the book is quite, I think, impressive. And what's very curious to me is that I don't know several of the writers who are here personally. So um, as we do these launch readings, I keep discovering new faces as well as new voices. And it's, uh, it's that to in, in itself is exciting. Well, tonight we're going to read in the order in which the poets appear in the book. And the first of the poets is Mary Jean Chan. Uh, Mary Jean is a poet whose work I very much like. Um, I met her, I think, a year and a half ago. Um, and um, she'd submitted work to PN Review. And my favorite of the poems that she submitted was Three Sonnets, which I hope she may read tonight. I don't know. This is a, a sequence of poems that we published in PN Review, and I submitted it to the Forward Prize as our best poem of the year submission this year. And it was, it was thrown back at me. I was told that it was three poems, not one. And I said, no, it's a, it's a sequence. But the Forward Prize has a hard time getting its head around sequences. So only one of the three poems, I can't remember which one, is now in for the Forward Prize. It probably is the very best one, and I'm sure you'll win. Um, <laughs> 
Mary Jean touches a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the thematic and if I may say so, the, the, the diversity chords that Carcanet has been playing, as it were, since 1968, when our first list appeared, and we published the work of Ishan Kapoor, a wonderful Indian poet who's vanished without trace. Um, and to me, Carcanet, I'm not British, uh, and uh, I'm of a Mexican-American origin, and for me, Carcanet is very much a, an Anglophone rather than an English operation, and it's wonderful to find poets from outside England who write as, as well and as distinctively and as differently as Mary Jean. So can we introduce Jerry, Mar Mary Jean? Um, that was news to me. So thank you, uh, Michael, for, for the nomination and for the, the wonderful words. Um, yeah, it's such a huge honor to be reading from this anthology. I so admire so many of the poets that have come in the previous anthologies. Kai Miller taught me um, at the Royal Holloway MA, and I love um, Caroline Bird and Vani Capodeo. So thank you again. Um, I will read from the three sonnets. Um, this is a sort of slightly subversive take on the uh, classical Confucius texts. Um, that's called um, the 24 filial exemplars. And so basically, it's a kind of text that a lot of people, whether or not you're educated, you would know it because your parents would be quoting bits of it to you as you grow up. And it's sort of an example of how you should honor your parents. Um, but obviously, I have a slightly different opinion of, of the content. And these are versions of them. He lay down on ice in search of carp. One of the strangest, this how a boy mistreated by his stepmother still tried to satisfy her cravings for carp, sought out the frozen lake and thawed the ice with naked flesh, brought home two pregnant ones for a pot of soup. At eight, I learnt this fable from my mother's lips, offered immediately to outdo this filial son. Though there was no ice to be found all across the city, our temperate winters incapable of frost. Years later, I wonder why my mother did not mention hypothermia or the possibility of drowning, did not invite me to wonder at the boy's lack of self-respect, did not consider how his body deserved its own morsel of warmth, how his fingers should never have been bait. He fed the mosquitoes with his blood. Another begins with a sacrifice. A boy too poor to afford mosquito nets offers his blood as nectar in his parents' stead, as he sits on their bed on hot summer nights to keep them safe from the unbearable scorch of inflamed skin. I read this alone as a teenager, my Chinese now oxidized as black tea, capable of steeping in fabled warnings. Once more, I detect how dispensable the child's body is. How right it is that he suffers for an ideological wound. How his parents might have slept fitfully that night, roused by their child's cries as the mosquitoes encircled him. Or perhaps blinking back a tear while thinking how good their boy is. How proper this bloody business of proving one's love. He dressed up to amuse his parents. No longer a boy, but an old man, dressed up as a child to amuse his elderly parents, his fists armed with toys, a wooden stick, a piece of polished stone. This isn't the worst fable amongst the twenty-four, but it makes me rage, 
because I am now twenty-four, no longer in need of dolls, though my mother yearns for my feet to shrink to the size of her open palms, and for the rest of me to follow. Some days I cannot be her child again, although I pacify arguments and tears with a playful voice that pleases, if only to reassure her, and to say that love is patient, love is kind. I'll read two more poems, actually maybe three if I can fit them in. Um, the second poem is a bilingual poem. I don't write like this a lot, but there was one day when I thought whether it'd be interesting to try to rhyme my mother tongue with English. So I speak Cantonese at home. And so what I do in this poem is I take select Chinese words and I try to phonetically rhyme them with English words. Um, and it's a bit of an experiment. Speaking in tongues. Mother says... Fun lay, poet says behave, mother says sing scene, poet says moonbeam, mother says separation of voice, poet says behave moonbeam, mother says the way you ask the moon to behave is transgressive, not Chinese, poet says my voice is a splinter. Teen hay, these days. I can only speak about the weather with a tongue splitting, spitting monosyllabic blue or grey. But did you know, I've discovered a secret, that half of my words have been kept like a key under a plant which my mother waters daily and is something that grows. Those beautiful ghosts, they seem to say, Ying Daknei. This next poem is a love poem. I don't write too many of those, but um, I wrote this after visiting Brighton Beach with my partner, and that was a few years ago, and she's here today. Um, the one thing about this poem is I use the word nine, and in Chinese, the, nine, the word nine, sort of the character of it symbolizes eternity, because phonetically it sounds the same as the word for eternity. An eternal and... Nothing but the enlightened land, soil loosening into surf, sinking softly, the weight of hours, every second symphonic. Ocean is never elsewhere, always here, in the eternal stillness of depths, ripples eyeing the shore, wings arcing origami out of air. You are there, a shape I have come to know so well. Your head is a compass, your arms slipping between the ocean's breath. I am ready to hold a body of sun, kiss it nine times good night. Time is elsewhere, as silence deafens into sound. We are holding each other amidst the night's falling. All the stars have plunged to earth, a glistening pier. Look, I say to you, listen. Watch how we can make it through another day on this shore of lifetimes. We'll have this ocean, an eternal and. Last poem is called Names. I am trying to talk about you without mentioning your name. So I say, we went to see a film last night, meaning you and I. Or, she treats me very well as in, you love me, or I'm going out for Indian tonight, implying a candlelit dinner for two.
It isn't always easy keeping your name sheltered from my mother's ears. But I try and try because it keeps me from hearing that twist and drop of her mouth. The way I try not to imagine her standing next to the kitchen sink at midnight, hungry for food or love. Though I know she shall pilgrimage to that sacred spot over and over. The way the owl never forgets it can see its prey best in the dark. I have now learnt to name my loves sparingly. You know this, don't you? How your name will never leave my mother's lips. I want to apologize. You do know how much I want you, us, to survive. Thank you. Mary Jean, that was a, a lovely uh, reading. It's wonderful to hear poems uh, read that one has read to oneself several times and to hear the way the poet inflects them and this strange sense of a poet existing as I did when I was starting off between languages, in my case Spanish and English, in your case uh, Chinese and English or, or Cantonese and English. Um, and it's, it's, that's very exciting. Um, our, our next reader is Helen, Helen Charman. She's the only poet here this evening who is studying for a PhD, which I think is remarkable because nor normally nowadays everybody's getting PhDs, but she's, she's, the, uh, she's the only one. So, uh, and uh, I hope she'll tell us why. Uh, um, Helen's poetry is, is one, of the, one of the, when you're an editor, you receive, in, in our case, literally hundreds of submissions. Um, hundreds of submissions, probably a month, uh, for PN Review and for Carcanet. Uh, PN Review is the main vehicle into Carcanet. So you pick up the submissions in the morning and you look through them and you see which ones you can reject immediately. Uh, and the way you find out which ones you can reject immediately is to read one or two lines and to see what they do, A, to your mouth and B, to your ear. And when I started reading Helen's poems, I found that I couldn't put them down. And I think that, that kind of uh, judgment, it's, it's, a, it's not actually a judgment, that kind of instinct uh, tells me that there's something happening in the poems that is unusual and is rather, rather wonderful. And the more I read them and the more you sent me, the more excited I got by the work. And so uh, I think it was probably the, don the donation sequence that, that, um, that, that turned me, as it were. Um, you begin by saying no. You always have to begin by saying no because there's such an abundance of product and there, there are so few, as it were, customers. Here they are all tonight, I mean. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I couldn't say no. And so here's Helen to, to tell you why I couldn't say no to her poems. Helen. <laughs> Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. This is very exciting and also terrifying. This is called Horse Whispering. Unclear. Is the better freedom to be hunted or enshrined in chalky worship? Domestication mostly relies upon a natural horsemanship, but still, limping, levelled, hurt and rasping, you can't shake the memories of the farrier's hands. Love is a possible strength in an actual weakness. If you will insist on riding, flat-backed and spine to spine, head over tail, feet against shoulders, eyes to the sky, heedless of the trailing trees, when you do fall, 
From me, expect no sympathy. This is called Bathshipper's Gang. Play me like one of your sad girls and I'll turn into potato. I'm at my best tumescent, glowing, yellow. I already have a piano, but I don't have many friends. And all the mascara girls are on the train again, standing in staggered unison for Audley End. Absolutely accurate and absolutely dumb, an umbrella stand leans erect against the bastion of history. Unmoved, the world turns. The hard trick is to know where to crack that horny sheath of egotism and measure with care the contents of that jacket's inner. Alfred is reading Maud again. I left the room. Your capacity for volume never matters. They will always read in you the clattered atmosphere of silence. But as to dead men, darling, don't worry. There have been dead men in most rooms. The latest murder and the newest thing in ghosts. Fill your big glass to its brim and scrabble again through drawfuls of arrest warrants. It must be relaxing to will your own feet into murdered shoes. It must be hard to unravel the covering schemes of your own intolerable safety. This stuff is swaddling for the yet to grieve. Sick volo, sick dubeo, and so the reel runs on. Untwinned before the pyramid, your girl's gone groping, flailing through the dark. Is that your daughter, clutching the stones? Absolutely accurate and absolutely dumb, she is happiest, or should be, when left alone. Don't listen to the silly bitch. Nancy Sykes, a real corker. A great man always knows his own. All was not well at home. Wary of nothing, you end up nothing still. And years of careful calculus providing no reprieve, I say now, heal. Paint me a picture of your happy Antigone, or I will. This next one's called Agony in the Garden, and it needs a little bit of context. So I'm going to read uh, from the front of the anthology. <laughs> uh, so the poem has a quotation in it, which is from the statement made by John Ruskin during the annulment proceedings of his marriage to Effie Gray in 1854 on the grounds of non-consummation. It may be thought strange that I could abstain from a woman who to most people was so attractive, but though her face was beautiful, her person was not formed to excite passion. After this, Ruskin based the ideal of femininity he presented in 1865's Sesame and Lilies on Rose Latouche, whom he subsequently proposed marriage to. When Ruskin and Latouche first met in 1858, he was nearly 39 years old. She was 10. Agony in the garden. Why are you walking around my garden, John Ruskin? These are prestige flowers and you are gnawing like the worm. Why must pleasure be a catastrophe? I have dedicated this sleep life to statuary. I have labored joyfully for my base wet daughters and you and yours have no place building nations here in the name of purified water. When will my attention span return from the war? Desire hooked again. There is no inverse relation between my dislike for you and the embarrassment you cause. She didn't want to fuck you either. Her person was not formed to excite passion. I thought there was no such thing as bad weather. Splendid, her skin was luminous. Every blood smear, every hair-like feather. 
when will my attention span allow me to achieve more? Saved for the nation, her fat tongue is full with splinters. Saved for the nation, she deserved, as usual, more. John. Like sesame, like lilies, you manipulate what you have never grown. Constant, though unlessened, stoic in the face of pleasure, may we only tread with patience the path we have been shown. I'm going to read a new thing, if that's okay. Uh, and this is from a pamphlet that's coming out in August uh, with Offord Road Books called Support, Support. It's called Electioneering. Rendering intimacy impossible, deploy lifeboats. Mark yourself safe. Not listening as such, more waiting to speak. Above all, mark yourself. It's so important to be safe. Carry on. They demand. We're not reeling. We are reeling. Is this the place for a fountain reference? Probably. What first attracted you to your wife, sir? Her delicacy? Her ankles? Her hatred of the Tories? Alive twice over, but that's a whole life gone too, you know. I'm sorry, he holds his hands up. I'm sorry, he backs away. My conscience couldn't keep company with your body. I say, your body? It just made me think. It's only a nine-month stay. The next time you lay a hand on me, I'll make a perfect gleaming dive into the Thames. Aren't you glad to be here? I am. This is from... Donations, which Michael very kindly mentioned. It's named after, there's a really interesting taxonomy of different kinds of uh, blood donation in a book called The Gift Relationship by Henry Titmus, which I really recommend. Uh, and this is called Type F, Captive Voluntary. Oil and blood for the bowed grey heads as Eason recovers his usefulness. Oil and blood for my own inviolable sense of propriety. Uncontaminated, pint for pint, What's the difference between one dog and another, between dead boy and dead lamb, except for those small miracles as blue birth becomes gentle continuance? The only thing to do is to take it as your own indisputable property, though even in a consumption good the former spirit lingers, but this is bad news for the conservationist. We will always love most what is diminishing, and so, as funeral barges stream down the marshes, you wake weeping in your yellow coat from ruptured sleep, as if these ghosts of our own commodities cry out like kids for milk in the twilight. Okay, and finally, this needs a little bit of context. Did anyone here used to read like teenage magazines, like girls, like Cosmo Girl? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, bear with me. <laughs> um, I did. And um, during the election last year, I was at home a lot in my mum's house cleaning out my childhood bedroom there was a huge collection of these teenage magazines and it made me realize that the biggest legacy of these for me uh, was a crippling fear of tampons uh, because every week every month they used to have these stories about someone like putting a tampon in wrong once and then 10 minutes later they were dead <laughs> um, toxic shock syndrome <laughs> so uh, <laughs> good this is called tampon panic attack one Dream dissolves of lost-limbed girls in fairgrounds. Is this a quick-come fever? Search your palms on the train to find the rash. Are they always this red? Perhaps you just don't look. Waking up in bloodied underwear once felt like shame, but now is gorgeous, a victory. Red sheets are like 
flirting, wisteria falling rich across the house front, evasive blue sky against brickwork, evasively blue means actually cruel, call an election, keep calling, they can't tell bloodied bodies from clean. Toxic shock, I christen thee, so baby call away, flowers, not enough, sorry. If you think I've got a fierce red mind, wait till you see my body too. Misbegotten positive reality, muffin top, just another symptom of the excluded middle. Nothing can be both. Apple-bellied is worse than small beer. Not A is absence, which is everywhere. Three. Always already happening somewhere, as if the way it is done is what is done. You first have belief, which leads to the practice. The way it is done is usually for the best. Always already leaving without notice. It must have already happened if you want to think about it. Flowers are soft and so vulnerable to the diversity of interpretation. The way you do it is what actually happens. Remember, it is natural to be fearful. It is necessary to be tougher than the rest. Four. There is a fierce grit in the genius of girls. There has to be. They're bleeding. It is interesting, but I don't love it. What kind of charlatan says that? Thank you so much, Helen. One thing you will have noticed is how humorous the poems are. And again, when you're an editor uh, reading through hundreds and hundreds of, of somber submissions to do with love and grief and all those things, it's wonderful to smile. And, um, and that's one thing that your, your poem certainly made me do. Um, I first met, of all the poets in the book, I think I've known Toby the longest. Um, he, but I've only known him as a novelist. Um, I, I think I probably had an instinct that he wrote poems, but when you know that if someone you like writes poems, the last thing you want to do is to invite them to send them to you, because um, it can spoil a wonderful friendship. And I think you did send me your poems, and I must have sat on them for almost a year, if, if I remember correctly. I do that from time to time. They were very comfortable, and I didn't really want to change my posture. But when I did finally read them, I realized that um, I had been, well, I had been missing something, or perhaps I had been, been sort of warming them up like eggs, and they were hatching. And the poem that really got to me was, was Life Cycle, a recording of which is here to a musical setting, which perhaps you'll read some of tonight. It's a very powerful poem. It's, it's a theme which um, we have published a number of poems on, but it was from a male perspective, not a female perspective, and I found that fascinating. But also, uh, I, I know Toby primarily as a novelist, and it was interesting to see that like Thomas Hardy and like Rudyard Kipling, though not perhaps as formally adroit as either, he, um, he was a wonderful poet as well. So. Um, he, his poems are narrative, uh, but the narrative of the poems does things that the novels don't do, probably by, by their economy, if, among, among other things. Though so his, his, his prose isn't prolix either. But anyway, it's a real joy to have him in the book, and it's a, a real joy to welcome a novelist who's come over, as it were. come over or come out. Um, I uh, started uh, as a poet. This has been a very long detour uh, through, through prose, but I think I started writing uh, stories sort of cynically in, in, the, in the aim of, of someone might publish them because I, I didn't think the poetry would, uh, 
would get published when I started. And uh, so it's taken 30 years plus. Thank you, uh, Michael, for uh, including me in a book with such uh, wonderful poets. And uh, thank you to the LRB Bookshop for uh, having this. Um, I will read from Life Cycle, but I'm going to read, start by reading the, the first uh, four sonnets here, which I wrote the afternoon that uh, I heard that Donald Trump had been elected. And I was, I was at an Avon course teaching it, and uh, I had that afternoon off, and I went into my sort of goose hut, it is, down in Devon, and I just, uh, in order to do what I could to stay uh, on the planet and, and not just fall off in despair, uh, I, I kind of tried to be hyper-eloquent, but I also tried to be extremely angry and political. So it's called Politics. Uh, and the date was 9-11-16 in the afternoon. When you cross a bridge over a river, you can be definite about something, but the insides altered leave an aftershock of what and what the fuck is happening. It would be neat if one were like the other, and the flow and bowels met in meaning, so that out of it came mother, father, family, house, all subordinated into song. Instead, I am borrowing several futures to explain yesterday's present moment that now is cancelled, and fairly brutal was its ending. Instead, I have my fears gradated between drowned calm, burnt torment, and the headlong lull of going fetal. Against futility and the clasped hands of century-separated cognoscenti, because on dapple pattern we can all agree, and beauty makes eternal amends. The whole scaffold is entirely purposeful and blood-soaked as a legitimate viewpoint. There is an act that forces whatever it will and cannot be, don't, you won't, you can't. Ease yourself into the cell, liberal. You have prepared your own welcome and furnished with defeats a red chamber. This zone will always be comfortable and you know it to be somebody's home. The dead are never without number. Four. When even a piss against a tree has greater significance than a new move in a familiar opening in chess, we come to a point, sadly, where we have to admit to ourselves that what we meant when we insisted upon the validity of clear and beautiful restatement was, in fact, a truth founded on a lie. How argument was actually quadrille and laws were signed on Beatrice's heart, and even handshakes were made out of wood. There are men who kill, the men who kill, the men who kill. There is a death behind the death of art, and there is bad is caused by good. And five. Exhaustion was the first fault loosed by lovers of style, the demographic that demanded to choose where it placed not only itself, but every heretic that had ever failed to see the funny side, 
And in magazines spread self-belief as a gospel that could be flash fried and served with carpaccio of beef. Meat was a fact, this could be granted, but butchers were not invited in. And so butchers bowing their heads went to the lake of all the blood they ever spilled and counted waves as they came in, then turned to go, or rather turned to come back. The next poems are our life cycle. They had a, a, a long prehistory before they hit the page. I hear them in the voice of Mara Carlyle, who s sings them, who sang them in the Royal Festival <coughs> Hall, and uh, I hear them to the music of Emily Hall, who, who wrote the music and I've written long, lots of songs with, and, and my sort of statement was, was a thanks to her because I was so overawed by the idea of writing poems that I, for a long time I could only write uh, lyrics. Uh, in other words, things to be sung, things to be singable, and, and things to be understood very fast, uh, understood first time through. So this is voiced by the, um, the mother in a, uh, who, who loses a baby. The, the first poem is called Stillborn, uh, and then they, uh, the couple have a baby. Um, so there's a number of poems uh, that I'll read. Uh, I'll just introduce them if, if I need to say anything else. This was written for two friends, Jack, uh, Jackie and Steve, who'd lost a, a baby called Marnie. Stillborn. She isn't, but she was. She wasn't, but yet is. Perpetual won't, not can't. All didn't and not couldn't. Undone. Never done. Total knowledge unknown. Leaving early, arriving late. Wholly incomplete. One remaining plural yet indivisible. Entirely possible yet infallible. One within another. Two inside each other. Three but always either. The next poem is, was the first... Uh, it was called Amnio, uh, and I think in a, in a way we haven't quite coped with the fact that the, the generation that could see their children before they were being born, but see them as skeletons, uh, it was a very, it's a very narrow uh, slice of time because, because now you tend to see babies as, as, as little putty uh, creatures. But, but the slice through uh, the baby was the child was what, what I saw first with my own children. Uh, Skeleton I see and sense, baby you become and be, innocence, lost innocence, nothing belongs to me. These things are true about you, now they are known. Absolute in gesture, say if you want a soul, posture then imposture, I split and make you whole. These things are measured and weighed, these are your facts. And I am now what I will always ever after be. So, at this stage in the in the song cycle, in the cycle, um, the the baby's been born, and exhaustion is setting in. So this poem is called uh, "Not Just Milk," and I think you'll by the end you'll probably be able to sing along with the first couple of lines. There used to be a woman in this body, not just milk. There used to be a substance to her living, not just milk and carrying, 
There used to be a life that was outflowing, not just milk and carrying and saying hush. There used to be a flowering of action, not just milk and carrying and saying hush and putting down. There used to be a world still to discover, not just milk and carrying and saying hush and putting down and worrying. There used to be a world, not just milk and carrying and saying hush and putting down and worrying and milk. This is a even tired a lullaby and it kind of plunders lots of uh, other lullabies like Hushabye Baby, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, Hushabye Twinkle, All Hushabye. If baby will sleep, then mummy won't cry. Mummy will tidy and mummy will clean. Mummy will say something she didn't mean. Hushabye little, fall hushabye. If baby won't sleep, then mummy will cry. Mummy will dry her tired eyes and will smile, hoping her sweet babe will sleep in a while. Hushabye wonder breaks on my lap. If baby won't sleep, then mummy will snap. Mummy will wish that her baby were dead, lie down alone in the dark on the bed. Hushabye, watch you, cradle, a nap. If baby will sleep, then mummy won't snap. Mummy will weep all alone in the dark, then take baby out for a walk in the park. Uh, I will read uh, two more. This is, uh, it's not the end of the cycle, but this is called the first turn. And it's that moment when the, the baby can actually flip from front to back. The first turn. Now you can turn. Now you can turn yourself away from me. Now you can turn yourself. Forceful you are. Forceful you are beyond our reckoning. Forceful you are beyond. Even a god. Even a god is weak compared to you. Even a god is weak. You're everything. You're everything we fear we might destroy. You're everything we fear. The best of all. The best of all the world has ever seen. The best of all the world. I want to keep. I want to keep this time, this love, this us. I want to keep this time. I know you change. I know you change each time. Each time I look. Each time I look away. I didn't realize, but with the skeleton scan poem, uh, I'd written another poem. Uh, it was only when I put them poems together to, for, for Michael that I realized. Um, and this is called The Glow-in-the-Dark Skeleton. And I was walking through Borough Market, uh, which is where I should usually be at this time, uh, doing very austere Zen meditating. So I'm slightly freaked out by actually standing up and speaking at this hour of the month and the, and the week. Monday, 7.30. So this, I saw in my head a skeleton uh, falling apart underwater, being a perfect skeleton as if it were standing there and then falling apart underwater. And then, and then I wrote this. And again, this was uh, to be sung. A glow-in-the-dark skeleton. See now the skeleton that I was built upon, suspended in the dark, the waters of the dark. Each bone is blue as snow, like icebergs from below, suspended in the deep, the waters of the deep. 
They keep one moment more the form they held before, and now they fall apart. They start to fall apart. My skull, like a full moon, all tumbling and a swoon, each femur, like a whale or whaleboat setting sail. Like gulls, my vertebrae swoop downward and away. My finger bones cascade, a shoal of sprats, afraid. And twizzling go the ribs, like sail-sewn corpses dropped from ships. Thank you very much, Toby. Those of you who know Toby's fiction know that each novel uh, has a title which begins with, with these, the, the next, as it were, letter in the alphabet from the one before. And I was asking before the reading whether, when he has a book of poems, the book of poems will fit into this sequence, whether the poems are fiction. Well, listening to the poems, I don't think they are fiction. I think they better live with your life writing. They're, it, was, it was lovely to hear the, the actual lyric structure of them. Uh, Lisa Kelly, in her biography, is really rather bizarre. It says she is a, she's worked as an actress, a life model, a consumer champion, a waitress, a sales assistant, an envelope stuffer. That is a, absolutely astonishing. And she's also a, an editor at Magma, which is great and has done a lot of work there. She, like, like Mary Jean, seems to me to exist between languages. She has Danish and English, of course, but she also has um, something I didn't entirely understand when I first read the poems. I was fascinated by the images of sign language, not realizing that when she sent her biographical note, she said, I am half Danish and half deaf. And I thought that was really wonderful for me because the Arts Council like this kind of, uh, they, they love disability and they love foreigners. So, so, I mean, it ticked two boxes, whereas Toby doesn't tick any box at all. He's a sort of middle-aged, white, heterosexual male. There's, there's nothing to go on there. Not, no more to build on there, as Robert Frost would say. Um, anyway, I, I, I absolutely love the way in which in Lisa's poems there are these, these gaps where, where the language is missed and somehow the imagination is, is, is whirling to, to supply to the understanding the language that has been missed. And it's a, a wonderfully exciting uh, experience to see the poems coming into being, as it were, with these strange gaps, these... these, uh, these, uh, these lacunae which the poet fills and there's one amazing poem called a map towards fluency in which the lacunae aren't filled but even then we have the experience that that the poet has or, or that the the imagination has when it it has to it has to do the work um they're wonderful poems and 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 as with helen's poems i was astonished to find myself reading them aloud and rereading them aloud and finding more and more pleasure from them so over to you Please. Thank you so much, Michael. Yes, I am a box ticker. And I, I didn't do all those jobs at once. Um, but the, the first uh, poem that I'm going to read does come from one of the jobs that I, I do. I'm a freelance journalist specialising in technology, which, which sounds like I'm very learned and can probably code and sort of invent a supercomputer. But I, I can't even hardly, you know, turn on the printer. So, But I, I write about um, some of the issues to do with um, technology, with, with privacy, with data that we're all very familiar with, um, most of us being 
on social media and knowing about Facebook and things like data protection, which um, is, is getting up the news agenda and exciting a lot of people. So this poem... I don't know if any of you have seen, um, there's a cartoon by Peter Steiner in 1983, it was in the New Yorker, and it's a dog at a computer screen, and he's telling another dog, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. And the idea is that we could all be anonymous, but of course, we're so willing to give away every little bit of information about us that, that that's kind of been turned on its head. But then still you've got privacy um, issues versus um, just, you know, just wanting to be out there and, and, and wow the world with your, your avatar. So, so some of um, my journalism and, and some of the um, issues that I've covered have uh, gone into this. Anonymous. After the New Yorker cartoon by Peter Steiner. On the internet, nobody knew I was a dog, how I'd raise my hind leg to piss, bark, viciously at cats on my anonymous blog. Oh, trolls, those dog days were a lark. I, serious, outshone all in the canis major, blew my master's whistle in his park. Bitch! He yelled, track and cage her, failed to guess at my dog's bollocks as I buried my bone to pick deeper in the dark net where encryption locks. Once bitten, twice bitcoin. A silken road to anything stocked. Second lifer, don't whimper. Feign identities, dangle spam bait, flog lives as authorities neuter the anodyne. Only saps are hacked as they eye slog. On the internet, nobody knows I am a dog. As Michael was alluding to my um, Danish heritage, I think he, he was slightly wrong and my family are here to confirm that my Danish is, is very limited. <laughs> but it doesn't stop me trying. I'm not very good at languages. Um, and um, this, this poem, it has, hasn't actually got any, any Danish in it. But um, it does um, refer to my ancestry. And um, the fact that I think, you know, my mother, she's deceased. But um, she was an only child. And you're... You're proud of your heritage, I think even more so if you um, are in some way distanced from it and you can't access it, which I feel in my Danishness. And my husband, he, he's half French and I ended up having this ridiculous row with my brother-in-law and, and this will come out in the poem. And it took place in South Brittany where my mother-in-law um, has a place and their generations remember what happened way back in the war. So that's um, the background to this story. Whitewash. The faded swastika on the side of the barn is showing through the latest layer of paint and must be painted over by the owner again. Our generation is generous, it seems. Over dinner, we discuss how the farmer's daughter was a victim of her beautiful genes. No choice but to take the Nancy officer's seed. What would you do? The sort of moral dilemma sorted over a second bottle until resentment breeds. Your uncle, 
a prete Simon, swore an oath to Patan and was prefe of Calvados. I translate this to an easy life in Cannes. I ask if after the war he was detained. You say surveillance garde. Is there a difference? But his possessions and farm were returned. I boast of my Danish uncle who fought in the resistance. You stress yours was an uncle only by marriage. Where is this going? Nowhere. But we are persistent. Stripping off layers of skin to expose raw nerves, find iron and blood, the cross in the ribcage. What of us that shows through what it proves? Okay, I'm going to read a new poem. Helen's given me permission. Michael has. <laughs> so I am quite obsessed with um, weird dictionaries and names, and especially if I don't understand them. So I went round IKEA. I hope some of you have been round IKEA, and you you see the most strange things. Like there was the, everywhere on all these walls this um, slogan: "Personalize your poing." I'm like, okay. Apparently, it's a chair. And I looked up what poing means, and it means point. So it's actually pointless. It's meaningless. But somebody has very helpfully um, put an Ikea dictionary online, which I got obsessed with. I'm a bit of a nerd like that. So anyway, so, um, some, uh, some of the words, are they, they are Swedish, and, and some of them are Swedish or Swinglish, or however you say it. But, so, um, but they, they do have a meaning, and you'll probably recognise which ones do translate and which don't. So I had a bit of fun with this. Oh, and it's based on a form called the Golden Shovel, which Terence Hayes um, invented, and it's a tribute to uh, the poet, the American poet Gwendolyn Brooks, who um, was also a civil rights icon. And if you go down the right margin, her poems can be read that way. The Golden Shovel is not on sale. Is it out of stock? Discontinued, we roam, feeling somehow deserted, desperate for the real deal, and settle for sandai, bucket and shovel, in cool colours, not gold for sure, but sandy yellow, sky blue, and we are happy momentarily, laugh at our inconsolability, left where it can be hung to fit in the space available, like the school of Fiskbow picture frames which swim in our minds. We are directed by the shimmering grounded arrow, for to lurk is to keep our hidden shelves flat-packed. Tonight is late night like every night, and we stroke gnat jasmine sheets. We love that lyocell draws moisture away from our bodies. Strike out, it is susceptible to mildew. We few, we happy few, head straight to aisle 53, where we find none are abed, all move as one. We examine the flitter kitchen trolley, its stainless steel, sing of its lockable casters for high stability. The stain of sin, wiped clean with a soft cloth, dampened in water. And we rejoice in a vision of mild and unabrasive washing up detergent. Thin bread, tumbroth, eaten with herring, drunk with handcrafted gin from the island of Ven, our messianic meal of celebration. We will celebrate Fira draws, mourn their passing, listen to jazz from the golden age, Lars Gullin, Monica Zetterland, some June, 
We will be glad to go to the Stad Sweden Jazz Festival. But first, we must navigate our way to a golden isle, Gull Holman, not die of disappointment if the rocking chair is not there. Hope it is restocked soon. I hope no one is too disappointed, but I have learnt this one. So, I mean, bear with me here because it is, it's the... I'm learning British Sign Language. I've already done um, precursor to my BSL1. That's why I can't hold a book because I've got to actually practice the signs. So, um, a map towards fluency. One, bedrock. I map A to my left thumb. Alex maps A to his right thumb. E to my left forefinger. Poor Alex, the teacher can't map sinistral to dextral. Thesaurus maps sinistral to sinister. A hammer mapped a red line to his drummer's hand. I to my left middle finger. Sophie maps I to her square finger. O to the gold of my ring finger. U to my left pinky. Map a twist of fist in the gut to hate. A raised pinky thrust forward to bad. An open palm on the heart to like. Finger men meet to greet. Hands beckon a welcomer at waist level. The weight of weather at the altitude of cheekbones. Helena, who can't remember the palm-to-palm swish of her capital H, marks each digit with a marker pen. A-E-I-O-U. Is this cheating? Two. Deposition of sediment. Words are shifting animals. A fish is a hand shimmer. A cat is claws preening whiskers. A bird is forefinger beaking thumb. Colours close the body in a flash of flesh. Red brushes lips. Pink taps nose. Blue strokes back of hand. Green grazes forearm. Black knuckles cheek. White flares fingers. What has happened to Alex? Helena has changed her shift and is here. Arriving late from an audition, Sophie circles sorry at the centre of her chest, her cheeks a tapped nose. We bring our colours and our animals with us. Helena, a forefinger beaking thumb, settles on the edge of her chair. Alex, an absent hand shimmer. Three. Outcrop. Jean, our teacher, is a landmark. All eyes look to her. What can you see out of your peripheral vision? Furrows forming and reforming on ever more familiar faces. Gestures formed and reformed by ever more familiar hands. Rings, scars, tattoos. We keep our distance. Eyes cannot whisper. Air, larynx, tongue, all fingers and thumbs. As a child, Jean was forced to sit on her hands. Don't touch. Don't point. Now her hands guide us to an alternative view. She signs and we are touched. Four. Precious minerals. We are unearthing the philosopher's stone. Base metal can be turned into a fist on a fist, flexing fingers. Bank is a fist with thumb cocked, stamping the palm. Aid 
is a fist with thumbs up, proffered on the palm. How much? Fingers dance on the chin. How old? Fingers dance on the nose. Alex is in a heavy metal band. On a world tour without him, it is laughing all the way to a fist with thumb cocked, stamping the palm. Helena's fingers dance on her chin. On a world tour without him, it cannot offer a fist with thumbs up, proffered on the palm. Alex says he is feeling his age. Sophie's fingers dance on her nose. Five, erosion. I imagine our hands chopped off as Philomela had her tongue cut out. What would we say? How would we say it? Unable to weave our stories into a tapestry. Alex unable to drum his rhythm. Sophie unable to sign her song. Helena unable to recall her felt-tipped fingers. Alex laughs, which is as it should be. We are going our separate ways towards fluency and erosion. The future, a palm thrust forward. The past, a wave over the shoulder. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.